today's scripture reading will be from Luke chapter 12, verses 42 through 53. And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom his master will set over his household, to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant, whom his master will find so doing, when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink, and get drunk, and that servant, who knew his master's will, but did not get ready, or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know, and did what deserved a beating, will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. That, uh, that piercing noise you heard just a little bit ago, um, we have a person in the sound room that looks for people who are falling asleep, and so we, so that was on purpose. When I was in the seventh grade, Elm School, Martins Ferry, Ohio, some of the other boys in the class decided to give those of us who were shorter nicknames. And uh, <clears throat> one of my classmates, Barry Roth, was short, but he was just a little bit taller than I was, and so they nicknamed him the Runt. And since I was the shortest in the class, uh, they gave me the nickname of Pipsqueak. And even my teacher that year would sometimes refer to uh, us by our nicknames. And our nicknames were kind of descriptions based, of course, on our physical characteristics. The prophet Isaiah spoke about the future coming of Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and he used several, I'm going to refer to them as nicknames, to describe Jesus. He said, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, so that's the first nickname. The second one is Mighty God. 
The third is Everlasting Father. And then the last nickname he gave him, or name, the Prince of Peace. And that last name, the Prince of Peace, seems to be the more common theme throughout the Bible as it relates to Jesus. It began as early as his birth in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. When Jesus was born, it says, A heavenly host appeared with the angels and announced, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So the angel indicated that, that this child, the Christ child, Jesus, would in some way be associated with peace. Later, Jesus himself, as the time for his his crucifixion drew near. He told his disciples in John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And Jesus ends this same discourse in John 16, 33 with the words, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Paul in Romans 5, verse 1 also used this theme to describe our relationship with God, that was made possible through Jesus. Paul wrote, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you can understand why one of the names, nicknames for Jesus was the Prince of Peace. It's it's who he was and what he was about. It's what he gave. It's what he brought. And that's what makes something that Jesus said, and you might have heard it as it was read a moment ago, in Luke 12, somewhat confusing. In Luke 12, Jesus was teaching a crowd of people, including his disciples, about faithfulness and being prepared for his second coming. Beginning in verse 42, he compared it to a manager who faithfully fulfilled his responsibilities while his master was was out of town. He told them that the one who is faithful in his service to his master will be worthy of being promoted, but the one who is not faithful in his service service will be punished. And Jesus then said, beginning in verse 49, I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. You know, fire was a symbol of of purification, you know, the refiner's fire. Peter, in in his letter, compared the trials of life to gold purified by fire. So the baptism to which Jesus was referring was his crucifixion, which will be a refining fire for humanity. Some will be purified by it, and the rest will be destroyed by it. Jesus then asked a question in verse 51, for which he really was not expecting anyone to answer, so it's one of those rhetorical questions, but it's a rather surprising question. The question was, do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? Now, based on what we just reviewed, you know, you would would answer, well, well, yes. You know, we just read his words in John 14 that he came to give peace. We just read that one of his, one of his names is the Prince of Peace. And the very next words Jesus spoke was the answer to his question, and they are pretty surprising. His answer to his question, do you think that I've come to bring peace, was no. 
I tell you, but rather division. So the Prince of Peace said, I didn't come to give peace. I came to bring division. And he goes on to explain what he meant in verse 52. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, two against three, three against two. They'll be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. I mean, that's certainly a far cry from peace, isn't it? So is this a, is this a contradiction? I mean, how can Jesus say in John 14, 27, my peace I give to you and, and, and I didn't come to bring peace? In the verse I read in John 16, 33, Jesus said, I, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. But the rest of that verse reads, in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So, as I understand it, the peace to which Jesus was referring was not a peace between you and the world. It was a peace between you and God. Paul pointed this out in Romans 5.1, which I read earlier. If you recall, Paul wrote, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So before you experience this peace with God, you are actually at enmity with God because of your sins. You were actually His enemy before you experienced this peace with God. Paul pointed this out in Romans 5, 10, and 11, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Or in other words, peace. Your sins made you an enemy of God. But, but through Jesus, you have been reconciled to God so that you are no longer His enemy. You are now at peace with God. And because you're at peace with God... You can be at peace with yourself in regard to your relationship with God and in regard to your future. That, that's the peace that Jesus brought. That's the peace that He promised. And that's the reason that He's referred to as the Prince of Peace. He was the only one who could bring peace between you, God, and yourself. So when Jesus answered the question, do you think I've come to give peace on earth? Jesus wasn't, he wasn't talking about the relationship between you and God. He was referring to the relationship between you and the world. You know, going back to Jesus' answer to his question in John 16, In me, as I read earlier, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. So in the world, you will not experience a lot of peace. So Jesus is the Prince of Peace in regard to you and God, but He's the Prince of Division in regard to you and the world. And in verses 52 and 53 of Luke 12, Jesus indicated that there is going to be division in the world, even among family members, because of Him. 
And, and that really isn't anything new. I mean, people have been divided over Jesus since he entered this world. For example, John 10, 19, and 20 reads, The Jews who heard these words again were divided. Many of them uh, said he's, he's demon-possessed. He's raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, no, these, aren't, these are, the, are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So there was a lot of division going on over Jesus because Jesus was and is a very polarizing figure in this world. And I'm sure some of you have experienced division in your family over Jesus and, and may still be experiencing some division in your family over him. Your spouse may not be a Christian. Your, your children may not believe. You know, in some instances, may, that may not create a lot of conflict. But there may be times that it creates a little discomfort, shall we say? You know, when a husband and wife are not on the same page spiritually, it does kind of create a little distance emotionally. The reason I know that is that happened to Kim and I about seven to eight years ago. My sister had given me a book and, and said, you need to read this. And so I read it. And my understanding about certain truths that I had long held in regard to the Bible began to change. Kim wasn't studying that same material, and so we went through a period where we were not in agreement spiritually. And, and it caused some emotional discomfort for us. Uh, we had a number of discussions about it. Eventually, we, we worked through our differences and, and resolved those issues. Uh, I, I straightened her out. <laughs> Just kidding. But it was... We, we, we had some difficult discussions. It can be very discouraging when your mate does not share your faith. On the other hand, many couples can live quite peaceably with one another, you know, even though one is a practicing Christian and the other is not. But, but I would think that there would still be some kind of, of, of yearning in the heart of the Christian for his, his mate or her mate to be on the same page spiritually. There's a, there's a closeness that, that's missing when you're not on the same page spiritually. One of the more difficult issues that can occur is when the wife is a Christian and the husband is not. And the husband, you know, asks or expects his wife to act or respond in, in a certain way and that maybe she feels is not biblical or violates her conscience. And the Christian wife, I'm going to assume, wants to obey Paul's teaching about submitting to her husband, Ephesians 5 but may at times be very conflicted about, you know, when it's appropriate and, and when it's not. There are some families whose members all believe in Jesus, but have different beliefs on how to worship or how to practice their faith. You know, one may be a Catholic Christian, the other a Protestant Christian. You know, e even that can cause some division, so to speak. The husband may attend a different church than the wife. The wife, you know, and, and, and then where do the kids go? Where do you take the kids if you have two kids? It's just, it's difficult. Division like that is not surprising. I mean, even Jesus' own family, in his family, there was division. In Mark 12, 3, during his ministry, his family said he was out of his mind. 
So Jesus is just, he's just letting you know. He's just warning you that, that you can expect to experience division even in your own family in this world when it comes to believing in Jesus and living out your faith. So if you've experienced division in your family over Jesus, it's, it's not necessarily a failure on your part. It doesn't mean you did something wrong. Jesus was saying it's going to happen. Jesus is a very controversial person in our world because he teaches in his word that the only way you can get to heaven is through him. John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, tell that to, a, to a, a Muslim and see if you don't experience some division. And if you don't have spiritual division, if you do not have any spiritual division in your family, get down on your knees and thank God every day. What a blessing. If you do have division, never stop praying. I think I've shared this with most of you before. My sister prayed every day for 20 years for her husband who was not a Christian. And I had the privilege of baptizing her husband, my brother-in-law, into Christ a number of years ago. As a Christian, Jesus is saying you're never really going to be at peace with the world because Satan is the ruler of this world and he has declared war on you. That's, uh, that's in Revelation 12, 17. The dragon who represents Satan was enraged at the woman who represents the Jews and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Satan is at war with you. So as long as the world exists, there will be no peace between God's people and the world. And unfortunately, it can affect your family too, as Jesus indicated. And what's really sad is when believers do not experience peace with one another. Satan is so deceitful that he can cause division even among believers. And that's something we must not allow because it causes great confusion and disunity among Christians and that compromises our witness to the world. Half of 1 Corinthians is addressing divisions in the church. You know, it's not like we don't have any information about it. I mean, Paul addressed it. We must do everything in our power to prevent division among believers. Jesus explained that there will be division in regard to his deity, but for the sake of Jesus and his church, do not divide over Jesus. Do not divide over the practice of your faith or the worship of, of our God. It's, it's okay to disagree. It's not okay to divide. So, is Jesus the Prince of Peace? <laughs> yes. When it, when it comes to you and your relationship with God, which is the most important relationship of all, no one else could have done that for you. So the answer to, to Jesus' question, do you think I've come to give peace on earth? Well, the answer is yes and no. Jesus came to give you peace with God, but Jesus also knew that it would never bring you peace in the world. The people of Jesus' day were deeply divided over him. The people today are divided over him in this world. But there will come a day when every knee shall bow, 
and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. But that will not occur until Jesus comes back. And that should not keep you in any way from sharing your faith because Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. Do not get discouraged because Jesus knew. He's telling you ahead of time that the world will be divided over him. And so that doesn't mean to be happy. You can be happy about it. You should always strive for peace with one another. We should always strive for peace with everybody in the world. It's just be aware that you won't always be successful. So for anyone here this morning that's not at peace with God today, I urge you to make peace with him. He wants, to be at pe- he wants you to be at peace with him. If, you, if you're not a Christian, if, if you've never died to, your, to, to sin in baptism, you're actually God's enemy. And, and, you know, some of us probably have some enemies, but if there's one person that you don't want to be an enemy with, it would be God. So I, I urge you this morning, if you're not a Christian, to make Jesus your Lord and Savior this morning. To come forward, to confess your faith, to turn away from sin, to die to sin in baptism, and be united with Christ, and be reconciled to God. You go from being his enemy to his friend. You can be done today. If, if you've not been living a life that honors God, if you've kind of strayed away a little bit, and, you know, and, and what happens when usually is you lose a little bit of inner peace when that happens. And so I, I encourage you to repent and seek his forgiveness and be at peace with God and with Jesus. So if, if you're far away from God, if you're feeling far away from God, come near to him this morning so you can experience the peace that Jesus wants you to have, that he came to give you between you and God. So as we sing this song, it's an opportunity to respond. It's an opportunity. You can come to the front. You can go to the back. See one of us afterwards. It's an opportunity to be at peace with God and yourself. So we invite you now as we stand and as we sing.